This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is bonus episode 128. I'm your host Duncan McLeish and welcome to the show. Now, now ladies and gents, I know what you're thinking. This is the Wanniverse episode, isn't it? Well, it was supposed to be, but unfortunately due to some connection errors um, on the day, we are, were unable to bring that episode. So it will be carrying over into 2019, so you have a little reprieve there to go back through and watch the six directed movies uh, in the horror genre by James Wan ahead of that recording, which I'm hoping will be out before the end of January. So rather than leave you up shit creek without a paddle, I thought I did commit to put a podcast out today, so let's do that. So, uh, me and Bo were already going to be recording, so we just looked in a little conversation and started talking about... um, 2018 in a whole, uh, kind of what we liked, what we didn't like, some titles that really stood out to us, some that puzzled us, uh, some that we heard the community get really excited about that maybe we didn't share the love of, and things that we just watched that blew us away that really no one was talking about, so we, we've kind of ran the gambit on that, the conversation ran for about an hour, um, I haven't really edited at all, I've just kind of kept it in because I quite liked some of the tangents that we did some of the the roads that we went down and uh, yeah hopefully it is food for thought for you now it does give me an opportunity whilst i'm talking about the best and the worst of 2018 to swing out a little announcement so i'll be posting this on the facebook group page as well but i will be dropping ladies and gents um on january the 7th my first episode of the year it's gonna be a little episode covering my top 20 horror movies of 2018. It's the the best of 2018 dropping on the 7th. Now, I tried it last year, it was kind of fun, but what I want to do is I'm wanting to extend it and make it more formal. I'm wanting top 5s from the listeners. I'm wanting you guys to submit in some top 5 lists. Now, it can either be an audio um, or it can be, you know, emailed in. Uh, if you feel so bold you can send it to me by Facebook private messenger or I will set up a chat thread in the Facebook group page you can just post them there and I'm going to read them out in the show as well as a collective um, acknowledgement of what the podcast Under the Stairs extended family made of 2018 so it's your top fives now I will need them in for Thursday the 3rd of January 2019 now like I say I will formalise that a bit better on the Facebook group page but if you're listening to this episode, get your thinking cap on. You have until Thursday, the 3rd of January, and get me in your top five of the year. So you've still got like a couple of weeks to cram in whatever you need to cram. I'm doing the same and get those lists into me. Now, this is Friday. This is motherfucking Friday, which means we have only, oh, only three episodes left. 
That's right. Did you get that? Only three episodes left of Podcast Under the Stairs in 2018. Tomorrow I'll be dropping an episode which is banter filled with myself and the two fantastic sex gods from Scotland Liam vs Evil. So that's coming out tomorrow on Saturday. And on Sunday I'm doing a bonus episode review of All the Creatures Were Stunning. Um, which is on Shudder at the moment. It's a Christmas horror movie that's just dropped there, so I will be covering that as well. And then on Monday, it is the Listener Choice. Monday, by the way, being Christmas Eve. The Listener Choice movie commentary. That is Orca. So that will be dropping on Monday. And then Podcast Under the Stairs is officially taking two weeks off. That's right, two weeks off. Returning to you, rested, and full of energy on the 7th of January. So be forewarned, ladies and gents. That is the plan. And the plan, as they say, is good. Right, so I'm going to take my first break of this episode. You are going to hear a little promo for a show that I love. You're going to hear some music, and when I return, myself and Bo cutting down the mighty oak tree of horror that was 2018. Gonna we'll be right back to do that right after this. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life. Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation. We have Italian horror. We have zombies. We have slashers. We have crime films. We have spaghetti westerns. We even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, cure what ails you. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening.
And welcome back. So, like I said in the intro there, um, plans went slightly awry. God damn your companies in America that do your internet. How many? You've got like two or something. And yeah, I don't know. I read things. I read things, Bo, and they tell me that uh, your internet is a, 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 is a commodity which must be like restricted or like down to the nth degree and then they can just switch you off if they want and that's you in the in the dark is is, is that an accurate statement uh for the most part i i actually the my internet company is actually not terrible where i am now yeah it's yeah. it's actually reasonably priced in good speeds and it's reliable service are you are you concerned that maybe they're listening into this conversation right now and that's why you're praising them well, no, it's because there's no other company in town, ah. and I don't need them fucking with me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like the problem I have is the same problem that every area of America pretty much has, which is the monopoly problem. Yeah, uh, there's one or two companies that will offer internet, and more and more though, you see uh, municipal internet is is a big trend in the U.S. now, where just the local government will be like you know hey we'll supply internet to our own city mm-hmm. and and that tends to be the most like reliable and and cost efficient and, and speedy services strangely enough if you remove the corporation duncan <laughs> from a service it turns out the service kind of gets better <laughs> yeah that's uh that's a, a a weird a weird idea a weird weird concept large companies not looking out for the little man, Bo. I don't. I don't know if I believe that some dystopian future that you're living in, because um, it's all peaches and cream here in my socialist paradise. Um, sure, sure. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so like I said at the, the opening, we had originally planned this epic Wanaverse episode one, where we're going to go through basically all the movies that James Wan had directed in the horror genre, all six titles and we will be doing that, that probably will now happen into the new year and we're doing that two part on that series because we're doing the, the actual James Wan directed movies and then we're going to cover the spin-off movies that have been franchised out since um, and I can already tell that Bo feels like he's maybe dodged a bullet here because you're not the biggest fan of James Wan and I don't want you to comment on that because I don't want to steal any thunder from next year's episode but since you are up at what time is it in the states just now uh it is almost 7 a.m almost 7 a.m so bo is up early um and i it's almost one o'clock p.m in the uk so i've been up for a while i thought rather than bo getting up and and um dithering about about or whatever he does in in his morning that's what i do yeah, I, I dither I, quite a bit. Do love the word dither. I, I very seldom get to use it. Um, I thought what would be cool is, and we've done something similar on the. I, I mean, we're already we've pimped it enough this month. Let's pimp it again. Uh, Duncan and Bo come correct the podcast that we do together over in Legion. We've already kind of done a what have we been watching this year sort of thing. But what I thought might be quite interesting instead is pivot this conversation into. A, a more kind of robust conversation about 2018 in general. Um, it's it's highlights, it's pitfalls, and we started talking off here and both like that. Let's just f- hit record, Duncan, because this is gold. And I think the first thing is, unsurprisingly to myself and Bo, because uh, we tend to not all the time, but we tend to agree on a lot more than we disagree. Um, we think that A Quiet Place is a perfectly acceptable horror movie, but it's not the barn burner that apparently most 
of the community think it is. I mean, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a great experience in the cinema. Um, I have revisited it once. I didn't enjoy it as much the second time through it, if I'm honest. Didn't hate it. Um, and didn't, like, it wasn't even just like, I really liked the movie. I just kind of felt on the second watch, I was questioning a lot about what was happening in the movie and some of the huge plot holes um, that you just, these leaps of faith that you have to take um, while watching that movie. But we were trying to kind of posit why it has become this like behemoth this year because I, I reckon it will talk I think what you will see at the end of this year is a lot of people with either Quiet Place or Hereditary topping their list almost across the board and whilst I think Hereditary certainly should be in the conversation for that because I think it's a very interesting movie we'll maybe talk about that in a second Quiet Place for me probably won't make my top 5 is it likely to make your top 5 Bo? Uh, probably not. In fact, it may not make the top 10. Oh, holy shit. Um, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't put the bottom of that list together totally yet. Um, but it's like, when I think of A Quiet Place, I think about an elevated B movie. Yes. Agreed. And it's, it's a good B movie, but like you said, there, there are moments in the movie. It's the, you know why don't they just make the plane out of the black box kind of yep. stuff <laughs> where you start asking questions in the movie that have seemingly reasonable answers that the characters themselves never consider. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it was fine. Like I like a quiet place. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's a fun movie. I've only seen it the once because after seeing it, I thought I don't really need to watch this again. Mm -hmm. Not anytime soon, but it was, I, I had a good time. I just don't think it's a very serious movie. As much as it presents itself as a serious movie, where yeah. it, like it's very dramatic and almost operatic in its uh, its tone at times. Mm -hmm. But I also think it's kind of a silly movie. Oh yeah, I think uh, t to me, like it's weird how you I, I I connect movies up, like kind of themes of movies, or even to an extent, I connect. Um, you're talking about the elevated idea of a B-movie, which that, that Quiet Place most 100% is. It exists in the same world as a movie like The Faculty, for example. Um, or even, to an extent, um, this year we had Overlord. Um, yeah, and yeah I those kind, are great examples, yes. Yeah, I kind of like Overlord more than I like A Quiet Place. Because um, I thought Overlord knew exactly what it was, and... Whereas I think A Quiet Place did, I think at times that tone that you're on about where it's like that, now this is super serious, this is some fucking serious shit right now that you're watching on the screen. At times I felt, well how serious is it if you know for a fact that they can't hear you down by the river, just live down by the river. Um, right, you live in I mean? the van down by the river. <laughs> yeah, why, well, why are you not in the van down by the river? Yeah, well, well, what, what are we doing in this house? And this giant right. open field where there is no noise. What are you doing? That just seems like a silly idea to me. Um, it's almost yeah, as and if you want this altercation, I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I think you're right, though. I think the fatal flaw of A Quiet Place for me is the uh, it, it it is the moments in the movie where it's like John Krasinski is like, hey, shut up, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> this is serious. Yeah. And it's like, no, you're making this monster movie and you're doing a good job of, of creating emotional stakes. And I think the last, <coughs> pardon me, uh, the last 25 minutes or so of A Quiet Place is great. I think it's fucking it's really, awesome. yeah. yeah, it's really thrilling and that kind of thing. But also understand that what you're making is a modern, it conquered the world. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
it's it's just a to me a, yeah like I say I think I think it's a great movie and I think is you know it's one that I'll definitely when it when I when I come to do my end of year list in early January and uh, put out there, I will be speaking a lot about it, you know, and I did have one of the more unique experiences at the cinema where you could have heard a fucking pin drop throughout the entire movie and no one spoke, which is really, really weird, apart from the occasional jump scare that someone got. Um, I just, yeah, I... If it gets people interested, you always come back to this, it's like damning with faint praise. Uh, if it gets people interested in the genre and it played very, very, very well, um, that's awesome. There's talk of a sequel. I don't need to see that sequel. I, I don't know what we do different in the the second movie that we didn't do in the first movie. Um, I, you call it a quieter place. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean? They now know how... They now know that they've done the... The Morse code at the end of fucking Independence Day. Independence Day actually is another movie that would fall into that category. Um, uh huh. Yeah, you know, like, so they've done the, the Morse code sing- signal at the end of Independence Day. It's like, oh, the Yanks have fucking saved the day. Oh, tell you how. You know what I mean? Everyone around the world now knows the code. So I don't know what we do now in that movie. Do we fight back? I mean, is that a movie that I really want to see? Maybe if it's like Aliens, but I don't think it's going to be. So. I don't know. I just like. I think it's like it's, as a standalone movie, very much like yourself. I think it's. I think it's great. I, I liked what I put out there. I totally loved the idea that this year we got that sort of level of kind of B movie starting to do the rounds. In fact, we got a couple of B movies that made their way at the cinema in a way which made you know like big releases in the UK anyway, which made me happy. Um, but I think it's a movie where yes, it's great to lean into it and great to say it's great, but. Like, like I say, to me, the, the rewatch value diminished it a little bit, and I don't think I need to revisit it now. I've seen it twice. My opinion certainly formed on it. And, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, it's certainly, as, as movies go this year, I think it's very difficult to talk about 2018 without mentioning A Quiet Place because it... Is it the highest gross... If, if, if it's not that, it's Halloween that became the highest grossing horror movie of this year. Um, so Hereditary didn't do anywhere near that business even though it's it's likely to top quite a few lists at the end of the year as well so I don't know I don't know it's a, it's a weird one to me I think <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how it pans out but um, yeah it's one of those ones where like I say everyone was talking about it and I was just kind of I, I didn't get I didn't get the same buzz or the same acceleration everyone else got. Um, granted, my wife thought it was fucking amazing. She absolutely loved it, and when we saw Hereditary, she told me it was fucking boring. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know about these things. I, I find I think the more we get them, this has been maybe the biggest year for for horror releases in the cinema since maybe the eighties. I, I I honestly I've seen more than fourteen horror titles at the cinema this year and I can't think of any year that there's been that many an option. It almost felt like every month there was one or two movies in the horror genre hitting the cinema um, which comes with good things and comes with bad things for every you know experience I had like Hereditary I had an experience like Slenderman <laughs> so you sure. know, so we really did get but Slenderman still took in over 100 million so and that is yeah. that is one of the worst movies that I've seen this year <laughs> so 
Well, uh, you know, it turns out in times of turmoil, Duncan, people like to uh, see escapist and, uh, and and often terrifying cinema. And mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard, Duncan, but here in the States, things have been weird. I don't know if you've heard so, about the UK, but things are equally weird over here. So Fuck, poor Theresa May. Holy God. Don't poor her. Get her. Like, she's two seconds away from being burned at the stake. I, I mean, I don't think her politics are great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not agreeing with her. But when it's like they do the no confidence vote and she she survives it mm. and they're like, well, we'll do another one then. Yep. And it's like, fuck. All right. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird how uh, not that I want to get political on here because I know I have a lot of UK listeners. I try and keep my politics to myself. It's weird how in situations like that, they're like, let's do a vote on no confidence. And then, oh, right, that's not the answer we want. So we'll just have another one. But when the Brexit vote went through, everyone's like Brexit means Brexit and you can't get another vote on it weird that eh weird how it's one rule for the establishment and a different rule for the people yeah yeah no and look again I'll, I'll take the brunt of this Duncan you, your political opinions can be totally hidden here I will say that globally it is typically the conservative party that tries to pull that bullshit. Of course. And 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 that's what drives me crazy is where it's like, look, you can have a different political ideology and we can argue and debate that ideology. That's what the system is set up to do. Mm -hmm. But once you start gaming the system just to get your way, you're just being a bunch of little bitches. Yeah. <laughs> and I have no respect for said little bitches. <laughs> I love that. I love, that. I love little bitches. Um, yeah. So, like, let's 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 continue this horror yes, conversation. Let's, I, I'll tell you what. Let's talk about hereditary since it's come up a couple of times. Let's yes. just get the 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 big mama jama out of the the way here because hereditary, like you said, it, it's a quiet place, and hereditary are going to be at the top of, of people's list. Hereditary mm -hmm. definitely not at the top of my list this year. I well, I've heard your review of it, um, and it didn't surprise me actually. I I kind of thought, I, yeah, this is what I, this is what I think this year. I think the last few years have hardened you, Bo, um, in a way which had had twenty eighteen happened three years ago you wouldn't have been nearly as critical about movies like Hereditary or Suspiria than you are now. But right. I think because you've had a couple of years of, well, you know, here's this movie, get out. Of, like, of movies that are better than those ones. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. But I think, yeah, I, I totally agree. But I think you must merit a year-on-year -year basis if you're doing a, a top list. And I think criticisms that you've maybe cast on these certain movies are, well, you know, I'm still waiting on my get out this year. And like I said to you at the start of the year, you're not always guaranteed that year on year. So you should almost walk in every year with a clean slate and just let what happens happens. I'm not saying you haven't completely done that, but, but also um, fuck you, Duncan, because I did get that movie this year that was just like knock my socks off. This is the best movie I'm gonna see this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, and I totally do not disagree with that because it's a movie it's a movie just now, like Mandy is and everyone knows out there, Mandy to me, um, is right there. It's like pretty much is. I, I mean, it's my number one in all but name at the moment. Uh, the sure, because sure. it's like it's it's like the movie wasn't directed. It's like the movie just happened. Yeah, it, it's fucking crazy how good that movie is. It's, it's incredible, and I, I am in an unenviable position whether or not I put forward into the mix this year a movie that isn't widely available. Um, and if that is the case, if I decide to do that 
then I have a really tough decision to make. What, what's the movie? What is what is going toe to toe with Mandy? I gotta see it. I, I've told you before, tigers are not afraid. Right. It's okay. Sure. This just absolute phenomenal piece of cinema. I mean, it, it fucking floored me when I saw it. And the woman is still touring it, still doing festivals right now, still winning tons of awards. And she said she, with all the will in the world, she would try and get it out this year. That is not happening now. We're far too late in the day for that. So, but there's talk about, like, she told us at Fright Fest that there was a bidding war for her movie at that point, And that was back in March. So, um, there were studios already bidding, like, bidding over the top of each other to try and get their hands on the distribution rights for that movie. Um, and it's incredible. As, and, I mean, it is. It's, it certainly exists more in the del Toro world of horror cinema in that it leans more into kind of dark fantasy. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, you know, it's set in modern times. It's set in the streets of Mexico um, and tackles some, like, real social issues in Mexico against the background of this like really incredible um, kind of fantasy work and that's all I can say about the movie but the movie's uh, it's led by kids kids are the main actors in it and the child acting is phenomenal the story is amazing and in the room that I was in three of the people that I know that were in that cinema had were crying at the end of that movie um, that's how fucking powerful it is and I, I, I could feel my throat getting dry when it finished so I, I genuinely thought it was an incredible piece of work but not everyone can see it and I feel like it's cheating putting that forward I, I, but then if I don't put it forward next year it, every movie has an uphill battle next year like really right. every single movie so but Mandy which is a movie everyone can see now and everyone should see now is just a fucking tour de force of vision. I've never seen a movie out with something like maybe... Like, when we talk about the masters of horror, the reason we talk about them as being masters is they have such a singular vision on screen. Whether it's, you know, Wes Craven putting forward this really gritty exploitation of things like Last House on the Left, um, or even The Hills Have Eyes, and then kind of morphing into this guy that will redefine what is a cultural kind of horror movement decade by decade whether it's the nihilism of John Carpenter um, with the, you know, the idea of score and his you know suspicious attitudes towards society and government which by the way John Carpenter was right he, the big GC was the prophet after all we just picked the wrong one um, sure. or yeah, if yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, or, or if it's someone like Romero who seems to tap into a, a real idea of kind of social awareness and social politics ahead of his time and put that in his these guys were masters of horror because the you could tell their movies when you sat down and watched them Panos is already their two movies in like like I, I love Beyond the Black Rainbow I think Beyond the Black Rainbow is a fucking amazing movie and then I watched Mandy and I was like he is almost blown beyond the black rainbow out of existence for me he's he's not only in the what five years in between those movies um you know kind of sharpened his, his his points um behind the camera his storytelling you know the, the visuals and everything he's not only sharpened that but he has leveled up into a position where i genuinely think mandy is maybe one of the one of the best one of the best singular visions of horror cinema i've seen in over a decade. Like, I can't think of a movie that when it finished, I was just like, ah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. it's just like completely spent at the end of that movie. It's fucking incredible. Yeah, it, it truly is. It is 
it's it's one of those pieces of cinema that seems to have come whole cloth from someone's subconscious mm-hmm. and and manages to be somehow like beautiful and disgusting and ridiculous and sublime and you know i i've mentioned it a couple of times but the the scene the, the moment i knew that i love mandy in a way that was a long lasting and was a real thing i knew that we were there were going to be cakes and letters to the family um <laughs> it's when it's when nicholas cage strolls into the uh the chemist Ugh. joint with the the tiger and I won't spoil it, but just the way that scene plays out is just fucking magic. Yeah. And the way that, like, the fact that this scene, which is so, like, it almost throws the brakes on in the movie because things have been fucking crazy leading up to this. Mm-hmm. And it just pauses to have this moment of just, you know, sublime weirdness. Yeah. And then, like, okay, now let's get back to the carnage. And also, there's going to be kind of a weird-ass axe sword fight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I hope that's cool with everyone. It's just the best, Duncan. Yeah. I, I love Mandy so much. I think it's it's one of those things, like, I hesitate because uh, it almost seems too grand a comparison. But it's almost like when you see something like The Road Warrior. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, th- like this was the movie that uh what's his name george miller. Uh, george miller set out to make yeah and much in in the same way that when you watch mandy it's like oh cosmatos knew exactly what he wanted to make what movie he wanted to see mm-hmm. and that's what he made and you know and again let's not belittle the the cheddar goblin that is oh yeah like any movie that can throw a, a moment of surreal weirdness like that into a movie and it just works and all of that it becomes like a that, that became like a trending kind of pop pop icon for yeah. months like before i'd even seen the movie cheddar goblin was everywhere and i was like i don't have a fucking clue what's going on here um as it's like a, a truly amazing movie i think to me though what made 2018 really interesting is that I had on one hand this like it was the it was the year where and I've been saying this like almost year on year now that this is the year where art house horror took main stage um, and it wasn't 2018 was the year that art house horror took main stage because and the the same breath that I can talk about how much I was blown away by. What is like an art house masterpiece like Mandy? I can talk about the same with Hereditary. I think Hereditary is a great example of how far we've come as an audience um, in horror cinema now that you can go and see a movie like that, which is about as art house as it gets. Um, it relies on really stunted, very at times strange performances anchored around um, hysteria, paranoia, um, and dread. All the way through yeah. that movie. From the moment that movie starts, it is just unsettling until it finishes. And it finishes on this weirdly happy crescendo. Like, this just, this, it's like we'll be leading all the way up to this weird, kind of happy, almost Rosemary's baby esque ending where you just settle into it and you accept that this is, this is the, this is the journey you've taken. And the fact that both those movies, um, 
were in cinemas like Hereditary had a much bigger cinema run in the UK and I think Mandy only played like two nights or something but the fact that both of them were available not that far from where I, where I live and I could go and see both those movies um, and people are talking about them on the levels that people are talking about them I don't think art house cinema uh, and the horror genre in particular has ever been so strong that these are the forefront. Like, I think you. In fact, we, that's what we neglected. We said a quiet place is going to top lists. Um, definitely top lists. Hereditary will definitely top list. I think Mandy will as well. I think Mandy is the shock one this year in terms of. It just. I remember people. I remember people laughing about that when it got announced that it played at Cannes, like back in mm-hmm. fucking what January, February, and it was like Nicholas Cage and the surreal movie by director of Beyond the Black Rainbow and at that point I was like oh I love Beyond the Black Rainbow not too sure about Nick Cage but I love Beyond the Black Rainbow can't wait for this movie and it was kind of like yeah Rage Cage Rage Cage movie let's watch watch it and then like just the everyone that seemed to see it come back with this movie is fucking amazing um, and uh, yeah I think it, I think it's going to top just as many lists I think we might be in this weird like think about it this way generally there's usually one movie out, out in front and we kind of all know there'll be some dissenters, and that's that's fine. Um, but generally, there's that one movie that that leads the pack. And I think this year it's like almost a three-way tie um, between Hereditary, A Quiet Place, and and Mandy. And whilst I don't think A Quiet Place, my opinion, should be in that conversation, I certainly think Hereditary and Mandy should. I think Hereditary gave me I saw it twice in the cinema, and that movie burned its way into my retina in a way which. I mean, it gave me maybe two scenes of some of the most uncomfortable stuff that I've seen this year in cinema. Just like like stuff that stuck with me, um, yeah. and I think that's great. And then I saw Suspiria, and Suspiria gave me about another four. I, like I said on my Suspiria review with the Baz, and I think I spoke about it with you as well on Duncan and Bo. Um, in any other year, in any other year where Mandy and Hereditary um, were not out Suspiria would top my list this year I thought Suspiria was phenomenal and it's just come out in the wrong year like it's totally it, it, it brought a knife to a gunfight um, yeah yeah I right I that's kind of how I I came away from Suspiria well let me all right let me say this about Hereditary go for it so uh before we jump off that I I agree with you like Hereditary is a movie that definitely stuck with me I don't think it's the best horror movie this year mm-hmm. but I think like you said it's part of that conversation because even though I responded less to the horror movie it became at mm-hmm. the end of the film the human drama stuff in that movie is gut punching Yeah, you yeah. know like the the big shocking moment of the film you know with the, the scene with the car Yep. That is something I will never forget seeing in a theater uh, as long as I live. And it's one of those things like if there hadn't been a Mandy, Hereditary would easily be the best movie I saw this year. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we live in a world where, you know, just like last year with Get Out, uh, we live in a world where there was one movie that came out this year that just like grabbed me by the collar and was like, you shut the fuck up and you watch this movie. Yeah. And I was like, you know, yes, sir. <laughs> um, you know what's really weird as well about it? When you think back, think about, right, what was your, like, so Get Out was your favourite horror movie last year, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. The year before was um, The Witch, I take it? Yeah, uh, I'm sure. And the year before that, It Follows? 
Yeah, probably so. Yeah. Right. So now think, I have to look. But yeah. yeah. So now, now think about it this way, and think about how different the movies are that have topped your list in the last four years. It follows is nothing like any of the others. The Witch is nothing like any of the others. Yeah. And Get Out is nothing like any of the others. And Mandy is totally different from everything. So like we when you sit there, that's that's what's exciting. That I think as yeah. a horror fan now, that's what's exciting is the movie that's gonna come from left field and is gonna be unlike anything that you're going to see that year and you're going to sit down and you're going to watch it and you are just going to want to talk about it all year and at the end of the year you're going to like we currently if you're if you're a fan of podcasts under the stairs if you're someone that likes the those uh, runs of shows that I do with the summer top 10 shows and all the rest um like when we get to like 2010 through to 2019 we're going to be talking about some of the best horror movies ever fucking made. Like, literally, yeah. some, oh, of the yeah. be- some of the best horror movies that have ever been made have come out in the last 10 years. And Isn't that, that crazy? It's fucking insane, man. Because we sit there and talk about... We do this all the time. We sit there and talk about, what's well, the 70s, isn't it? The 70s is, pound for pound, the best decade for horror. It might not have the best horror movies ever made, but it's pound for pound. It's because th- this is when the world changes and we're moving away from, oh, sp- spooky monsters to humanity's crimes. Um, and, and like, we're, we're talking about, you know, gentrification. We're talking about uh, serial killers. We're, like, all that stuff is slowly psychedelica. It's all seeping into the consciousness of filmmakers. And, you know, we're, we're, it's the backlash to the, the peace, love and hippie movement that you get on cinema, this fucking cultural outrage that all this shit didn't fix anything. If anything, we're more fucked now than we were before. It's, you know, we let the man win and the man, you know, the man is going to fuck us forever. You know, it's that kind of backlash. And then 80s is like, come on, sit back, have fun with it. So we go through it, cruise it. 80s gives us tons of content. The 90s feels like it has to atone for how much fun that you had in the 80s by claiming that horror movies are not horror movies. Right. It is a cultural hangover from the 80s. It it totally is. And then your 2000s are, let's just experiment with lots of different ideas and try and recapture what it was that made horror great in the 80s. And we go through this journey of trying to do bits and some things really, really work and most of it doesn't really work. But we get through it and then we swing into 2010 and then... Indie horror movies come out of fucking nowhere at pace. The mechanism for which movies are delivered completely changes. Um, and now we live in a world where people can finance their own movies, kickstart their own movies, and studios, like, there's more options now. And and the 2010s to 2019s, I genuinely think we have... We, we're going to have a conversation, like, a decade from now when we look back and we're going to say was this the best decade for horror? And I think it's really difficult to argue that it isn't. <laughs> I, let, me, let me give you another brick in that wall in the argument you're making, because I agree with you. I think if not as a companion to the 70s, mm-hmm. as far as like, well, these are the two greatest decades of horror. Um, if it doesn't supersede, I think it might, because there has never been a time when horror television oh, yeah. has been as relevant and and 
just good yeah as as it has been uh in in this decade i think it's why um, the the genre itself is expanding so quick i think it's giving people the confidence people can sit at home and watch a horror tv show on netflix and binge it and then the next horror movie that comes at the cinema they go and see where they generally wouldn't go and see a horror movie at the cinema um i think it's giving people the confidence to experiment in that and bolster it out, it's given more money to play for studios, and studios are more happy to. It's like the 80s again, it's like studios are more happy to kind of let directors, not all the time, depending on which studios, but kind of let directors go ahead and fuck around a little bit and, and you know, mess up some shit. Like A24, I have become this weird kind of. They've, hy- they've become a hybrid of really retaining that kind of indie credential. Look how cool we are and quirky, and we put out movies like Ladybug. Um, you know what I mean? But at the same time, you can juxtapose that with well, they also put out movies like The Witch. Um, you know what I mean? Like it's this, it's this weird world that we now inhabit, where studios like that are getting huge representation um, at the at the Oscars table whilst at the same time funneling the money they make off the huge successes back into independent horror content. I think, as a result, there's more to play with. Um, Like you said, horror on TV has been fucking incredible this year. I mean, I've still to add, and I will before the end of the year, to tick it off my list, and I can't wait to do it. I've still to see The Haunted Hill House. I know I'm going to love it. Um, But as a singular vision, as a singular... By the way, let me just pause and say that's fucking crazy. I know. Like, I know why, and I think it's a, a perfectly valid reason why you haven't seen it yet, and you're going to love it, but it's one of those things where it's like, how are we even having this discussion yeah. without you having seen it? It's you know li- what I mean? It's literally one of my favorite modern horror directors tackling one of my favorite horror stories, and I've still not seen it. Because right. and it, it has moments of fucking genius yeah. in it duncan it is so good yeah I you're know. gonna love you really will love it i know and i'm sure everyone's hyped the hell out of it too yeah, yeah. but but it's one of the few projects where i'm like oh yeah hype it all you want it's that good yeah I, I cannot wait to sit and watch it but when we're talking about singular visions like like truly singular visions on screen it's really difficult to get through 2018 and not talk about how fucking amazing the terror was a show which was not watched right. as much nearly as much but it, it was so fucking confident that that show was about as niche a show could be in this day and age and to deliver what it did from start to finish that was it was impeccable it was an impeccable yeah. tv show and then it's just you know it did its thing and it went away and you know, there's talks about potential sequels and all that. I don't care about that. Let's just talk about how fucking amazing the terror was, Bo. Yeah. I mean, at the time, I thought it was going to be the best thing I would see all year. And I was fine with that. Mm-hmm. You know, like I had made my peace with that and, and life was fine, Duncan. Um, the terror uh, is, it's one of those things. Like, I love Jared Harris. He is phenomenal in it. Um, I, I love the setting. I love that kind of, I like a good historical horror story. And this was, it just, it it did so much in terms of uh, the themes of isolation and, you know, the the redemption of Jared Harris's character throughout the course of that uh, miniseries or limited series, whatever you want to call it. Um, And the last couple of episodes are shocking at times. Like, I... 
I will never forget Duncan. That scene when they roll up into the, you know, the camp uh, that went ahead of them, where it's like they find what happened to the remaining survivors mm-hmm. uh, of of the, the the crewmen, and there is the one dude with all the hooks and shit in his face, where it's just like I don't know what the fuck went down in this joint, but I part of me is glad that we don't see it, and yeah. and part of me. Uh, wanted to see those scenes. De- de- yeah, desperately wanted to see it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tremendous. And and again, I you know I know I've already said it, but I don't care, Duncan, because I love Jared Harris that much, <laughs> and I think it's w- one of those performances that he will never get as much credit for as he deserves. Oh, of course, of course. That's I think that's a TV show which you know every now and again we get these like you know think piece articles that come out from these. Uh, online horror pub- publications I, I know for a fact five years from now like someone's going to post this why did we not speak more about the terror when it came out you know what I mean what why what you know I've just discovered this show did anyone else watch it I like I really do think because it, it critically it did well that was the thing the show did really well critically and it was on AMC and you would think AMC with the audience they have for things like The Walking Dead Maybe another horror TV show on that platform might tra- attract the numbers, and it, it never really, it never really secured its 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 audience. But I'm totally cool with that. That show to me is not a show that is designed for everyone. It's designed for a select few, and the important people that that are in my life watched that fucking show and we've discussed it like I, I turned uh, my best friend onto it like well after it finished I kept saying you need to watch the terror you need to watch the terror and um, we had a conversation actually on the way to Suspiria where it, it got mentioned um, just briefly I was like you, you did finish the terror and he's like oh so fucking good and I was like I know I know yeah I, I knew that. That's why I said watch it. <laughs> I wasn't pulling your chain. I was I was 100% serious. That TV show is a TV show which set... A, a, it's like that first season of True Detective. I think it just exists in a bubble and we have to just accept that, that you know, very few things will ever be like that and it just has to be contained <laughs> and preserved. Um, it's just like... But, and I hear that you get something like that on TV. That This is the thing, right? This is the thing that's that, that, that's got me all excited is that when one side starts to wane, the other side picks up. So historically speaking, when horror was on the, the kind of free fall from cinema, television picked up the reins. Now, whether that's in things like The Twilight Zone or The X-Files in the 90s, which is really, you know, ostensibly doing creature features week on week. Um, you know, they take up the reins and keep an interest bubbling underneath the surface. This decade that we're in just now has progressed to a stage where we are getting both. We're having our cake and eating it too. We're getting it on the big screen as well as the small screen and equally are excellent. And I think as a result of that, we are so oversaturated and spoiled for choice. I remember saying, like, what, two years ago, three years ago, that, you know, there was so, there was, you know, people were complaining there was too much stuff out there. And I was like, no, give us more. Give us more. And now I'm at a point where I'm drowning in media. I can't, right. I, yeah, I can't get to it all. I can't watch it all. And I constantly feel like I'm missing out on something. But, I love the experience of sitting down and just taking in and just marvelling in the fact that my weird, creepy little subgenre that I love, that has always been like the red-headed stepchild of the of the 
of the world um, is being embraced. It, it's like it's like National Ginger's Day is like it's like a thing which is happening all year round now, uh, and I kind of love that. I think it's I think it's great. And that's not all to say that everything's been peaches and cream this year, because it really, really hasn't. I mentioned earlier on Slenderman, which is a movie that is a fucking mess. It's a shambles of a movie. Like, really just a, a movie that I don't understand how it... Uh, I don't understand how it exists. Um, Was Truth or Dare this year? Yeah, Truth or Dare is another one. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, of course, there are the stinkers. Insidious, uh, the last key. That's a... <laughs> nigh unwatchable movie it's a fucking it's a disgrace of a movie um, it's a boring movie up until it gets offensively dumb yes yeah and it undermines the entire series with uh-huh. its dumbness in a way which just made me angry I can't, I can't believe how angry that movie made me at the end I was like, she can't be her dad's the worst serial killer in human history she's basically fucking Joseph Mengele of the northeast um, you know, what, 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 what we do, and she's just gonna go off and be okay with that. Yeah, she, that's right, Duncan. <laughs> fucking fuck that movie. Yeah, uh, it's it's stupid. Uh, um, uh, yeah, we we're gonna do a whole show about that. Um, yeah, we will get to that. We will we will yeah. get. But you know, we got movies like that. We got movies that were completely polarizing. Like um, my experience of. The Strangers 2 is completely different to your experience of it. It was a movie that I just... I, and I think it's because I'm not beholden to that original. I really don't like that original. I think that original is not a good movie. Well, most people think it's a great movie. Um, and when I watched the second one, I was like, yeah, this is the level that I expect from Mass Killers Run the Bit of Place. Give me that. It's dumb. It's dumb in a way that I kind of like. Uh, but I know you were... <laughs> not for yeah, both. Right, yeah. It just It was one of those movies that nothing hit me right in that film mm-hmm. um you know i was i wasn't necessarily crazy about the characters i thought they were you know pretty broadly written and not all that interesting and um it it's a movie that so desperately wants to be a john carpenter film up to and including having a car on fire chasing someone at, at one point it did make me giddy when i saw that though boy. i can't I, lie <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 but you know, I, I've got kind of a grudge about shit like that in movies mm-hmm. where I'm like, just I, don't just be a, a collection of things from other better movies. Yeah. yeah, and that's what I feel like. Pray at Night was was a bunch of stuff I'd seen before, done better other places. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the big scene that everyone loved, which is the pool scene. Oh, I love. I was scene. just like, <laughs> eh, it's. I mean, it's yeah, it's all right, but it's. <laughs> Again, it, it it didn't blow my socks off, and yeah. and it's surrounded by a bunch of boring referential bullshit. That... Oh, there's a yeah, there's a lot of the movie which is yeah, we could skip this. <laughs> like, let's move, yeah. move it along, move it along, please, please, please. Cliche, um, cliche, right. cliche, 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 cliche. Good scene, cliche, cliche, cliche. Good scene. Um, yeah, there was. A I lot mean, of that. it it ain't it ain't the worst movie I, I saw this year or anything, but I also like I I went into it kind of excited because I'd heard enough I, like I, I like the first one well enough but i'm also not so reverential about the strangers yeah that, like i didn't go into pray at night like well don't fuck this up <laughs> um so, so but when i saw pray at night i was also just like oh I, that's just a movie that like i said it just it there is nothing not john carpenter about any of that movie yeah 
As, and this is yeah, this is just something we have to now contend with is the fact that there's a ton of film students out there, a ton of directors out there now, who are either just finding out who John Carpenter was, or like myself, grew up in a world where John Carpenter was the most important director ever. You know, and they're, yeah. they're, they're just they're trying to. They're, they're, I know what they're trying to do. But I'm like you, like trying. To, it's the void for me. It's that idea of I sat down and watched the void, and not to like kind of lampoon a conversation from last year. But I sat there and was like that. You right, Fulci, Carpenter, and Hellraiser in your movie, and the Beyond. So it's basically the the Beyond, um, something like uh, Assault on Precinct Thirteen. And Hellraiser is what your movie is aspiring to be right now, and those three movies are infinitely better than the one I'm watching. So what are we yeah. doing here? What are we doing here? Right, right. I, you know, hey, if I wanted to uh, watch Assault on Precinct 13, I would just watch that because that movie is rad. Yeah. And this movie, not so much. Yeah, I mean, again, not not the worst movie I, I saw this year, but uh, you know, I mean, speaking of. Uh, <laughs> this isn't the worst, but it's it wasn't very good. Uh, can we dunk on the nun for just like uh, two seconds? Yeah, the, the nun is a fucking head scratcher of a movie. Like really, I saw it in the states of all places. I went to one of these fancy Alamo draft houses um, when I was over in Virginia earlier on in the year. I took my buddy Danny Trioxen from the Midnight Horror Show. Uh, by the way, Midnight Horror Show coming back next year, ladies and gents. January, we're coming back. Uh, Yay! I know, can't wait for that one. That one's well overdue. And all it took was a visit to America with a bottle of whiskey and, and got Danny very, very drunk on the good stuff um, to convince him to bring it back. And so we're coming back. But yeah, we sat and watched that movie. And I mean, it is, to me, it is a... It's the very definition of a dumb popcorn movie, but it just didn't have as much of the... It's a movie that really thinks it's clever. Like, really, really, really... Th- like, I, I get the feeling that when they were writing that, they were like, you know, wait till, wait till all the shit kicks in and they realise that, you know, <laughs> that they're in a haunted place and none of these people exist and there's a curse that's went there and it links into the first movie. And I, I, when I watched it, I was just like... What this doesn't make any sense. This is terrible. What we're we doing here? This guy's French Canadian accent is borderline fucking offensive. Mm-hmm. This is twenty fucking eighteen, and I'm watching my ha ha ha. It's like, hey, I'm a Frenchman. They call me Frenchy. Like, no, no, no. No one speaks like that. No one speaks like that out of nineteen fifties satire. Um, like, what the fuck is going on? And like, bad effects. A storyline that's actually really, really shit. And it didn't. Like if you, uh, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't because it, it like there are so many moments oh, in that movie. Oh. Let me let me tell you my my personal favorite. Uh, Is it the coffin like, scene? Because I showed you that. <laughs> no, the coffin's stupid though. But it's it's when they first show up at the convent and they're you know the nuns are like, oh, it's almost sunset. And no one here talks after sunset. And they're like, all right, well, we'll come back later, I guess. <laughs> and, and, and which is, uh, again, one of those things where you're like, why is this in this movie? But then later, uh, Vera Farmiga's, uh, not Vera Farmiga, Taisa yeah, yeah. uh, Farmiga, 
goes to the convent and it's clearly after sunset because everything is blue in this movie and everybody's just chit-chatting away yep and it's like i thought you just said but and there's another one that really gets me where uh um armando or whatever his name is the dude (laughs) from the the town um when he's like yeah i never see any of the nuns i just bring the shit and i leave it in this room and then they come and get it and then like not five minutes later he's like oh there's the door into the convent that's uh the door they come through when they get the shit it's like how on earth would you know that yeah you're gone you've never seen it yeah i mean you might make that assumption yeah but say it's a guess yeah don't act confident you never saw it it's yeah it's a, it's a painfully dumb movie like pain, like, <laughs> like i say it's a painfully i'm fine with dumb dumb is fine in my world there is a time and a yes. place for dumb but when your movie is riddled with Gregorian chant to make it sound serious and you know the, the, the stake of the world you know and all that and you're really trying to pivot this as this really serious really scary movie and it's like the, the coffin scene to me was like at, like at that point I was just the eyes were rolling in my head and I was like what the fuck are we doing here now what is going on with this movie? The reveal is pretty terrible and pointless. Um, and I don't know... I, I know why it's done. It's a cynical marketing exercise, isn't it? It's like that, well, we can do like a Conjuring movie now and do all these spin-offs. Yeah. We, oh, we, can, we can do it's like... An- it's, it's a money game, isn't it? Really, those those movies are hugely successful. What we do is we literally bring in a new something in that, and then that gives us at least one, or if you're Annabelle, three spin-off movies. Uh, that third one's finished filming as of last week. Uh, so a third Annabelle movie, um, just in case we needed one, just in case the story of the doll wasn't already complete? Question mark? Um, we're going to get another one and then a third Conjuring movie because we need to set up the next thing that we can then go forward for another year. and I, I don't like that aspect I don't like the cynical aspect about it I understand making something and there's a unexpected success in a movie which you then want to maybe capitalise on like there's some there's some good examples of that sort of shit happening um, I just don't like this one which is basically I know for a fact that third movie's been written in such a way that they're trying to put something in it they can do a spin-off on. And I, I, that to me is not how you... That's not how you make a good movie at all. Yeah, what did they call it? Hold on, I was trying to look it up, but they were saying that it's... Did they say it was like a... A, a night at the museum, oh. it was the comparison I heard made. Yeah. Be, because it's being in the Warren's artifacts room... And like shit breaks loose or something, yeah. <laughs> and it's right. It, it's one of those things. You know, look, there's no Friday the Thirteenth Part Six without <laughs> an element of cynicism. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's what this is. Yeah, you know, but like, I, don't don't pretend it's a highfalutin uh, horror movies it's it's cash grabs now sometimes cash grabs work out like mm-hmm. i thought the second annabelle film was good I, i'm, I'm with you on that one i think it, the uh, the entire conjuring universe i think i think i would comfortably come down that the second annabelle movie is the best one at all <laughs> yeah i think you're yes yes you're right about that yeah um having recently watched most of those <laughs> yeah 
Um, yeah, yeah, because it actually has an ending that is somewhat satisfying. Yeah, um, I, I like I like how we pivot that. But I mean, what, what we're what. Let's let's move on because we're, we're we're dangerously starting to tread into areas that we are going to discuss when we do the one of our stuff. Right, so, sure, sure, sure. Right, here's a head scratcher for you. Um, All right. Uh, <laughs> are you ready for a uh, terrifier? Uh, uh, yeah, sure. That got like that is getting weird levels of love that I just don't understand. I don't I don't understand that. I don't know what makes that movie out with one special effect in the middle. I don't understand. And even that special effect, I think, is exploitative as fuck. Um, I don't understand what makes that movie, like, noteworthy at the end of the year, yet it's getting a lot of traction. It's going to make a lot of top ten lists. And I... I, I don't I don't get it. I've tried the thing is that I have I've I've done I did a, a guest appearance recently on the little pod of horrors, hi boss, um where we discussed this and he did tell me his why he really likes that movie. And I got what he was saying. I just I can't make the leaps that he did. Like, the leaps to say you enjoy that movie, you have to overlook things that are wrong with that movie, of which there are so many. Like so, the list of uh, the the, the catalogue of errors in that movie is longer than my arm. Um, that I, I don't I don't get it. And if it's purely because it has Art the Clown or whatever his fucking name is, um, mm-hmm. because he's a great character, I would argue he's not. Like he's really not. He's a he's a character built for a short that deserves to be in a short because after about two minutes, I think his impact on screen is gone. I think it, it diminishes. Spend a lot of time with that character. Um, and I, there is no... There's nothing to it. Like, there's 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 really nothing to that movie out with, like, like I said, one really good special effect, which I think is so overtly mean uh, in comparison to the rest of the movie. Like, mm-hmm. so overtly mean that it is basically... It is, it's, it's, it's porn. That's what it is. It's horror porn. It's, it's not even torture porn. It's horror porn because it's purely there for titillation's sake and nothing else. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't do, it doesn't do anything to the story at all. Or oh, the story's like razor thin as well. I just, I, I, I don't get, I don't get the. It's not the shit people. If you love that movie, that's great and power to you. And I want to live in a world where people. Like I said before, every movie has its audience and needs to have its audience. I don't want to be in a position that someone spends a sizable chunk of their life putting a movie out there that universally everyone hates. You know, I don't. I you know, I would. I, I I hate to live in a world where movies like Battlefield Earth exist. You know, that has zero audience. I, I want to, You know, I want movies to have some sort of audience. But that one was getting a shitload of traction, and I just don't get. It. Yeah, I you know I think my disagreement with the movie happens on like a fundamental philosophical level, mm. you know, and and I've said this before in in various forms, but ultimately my problem with Terrifier is that every movie has a philosophy, whether it means to or not. Yeah, you know, like in in Friday the Thirteenth, very famously, the philosophy is you uh, have sex uh, pre marriage, you do drugs. You defy authority, you know, the uh, traditional kinds of concepts of authority, then that's what gets you killed. Or that's the result, right? Like you, you end up fucking in the woods, you get a, a harpoon through the chest. And Terrifier, though, presents characters who have done nothing like that. 
yeah you know that are just going about their business and the the glee that it has in killing these people you know you start to ask the question like well who is the hero of this movie I, I, am i supposed to identify with art yeah is he the hero of this film <laughs> and if so that's really fucked up and if it's one of the girls say or the sister or whoever yeah, well, the one that you the one that comes in what 25 minutes before the end right like well that's fucked up too because then my heroes are people like if if the movie is all about just oh their life is full of meaningless tragedy that can be visited on you at any moment you know that kind of nihilistic philosophy it's like uh, i mean i guess that's okay but it just does seem to be I, like i don't think it's smart enough to recognize that about itself and I think that's the problem I have, is that it's a movie that doesn't think it has a philosophy, and that's sort of its philosophy. And uh, it and it, it it's just mean spirited. It does, like you said that you know the a lot of these scenes just seem like they're for horror fan titillation of like oh did you see when like the gun got stuck and he had to go back and kill her with the other thing? And it's like yeah, that was just cruel. And, and the question you have to ask yourself in, in those moments when you're seeing cruelty visited to a character is, well, did that character deserve it? Yeah. And and that's never the case in Terrifier. It's just, it's a movie where terrible things happen to good people, or, or at least normal people, uh, not necessarily good or bad. And um, yeah, I just, I don't see what the point is. Yeah. I, I just, I find it to be distasteful as a film. Yep, I, I I totally agree with that. And then on the flip side of that, we get like to me, Shudder like really stepped into its own this year and started delivering some really really cool titles. We're talking about Terrifier, but if we flip that round to Terrified, which I thought was a movie that was wonderfully wacky, but at times like incredibly scary. Um, yeah. Like really yeah. really good. Satan Slaves, which is a movie that I really enjoyed. The Witch in the Window, which I know has not really found its audience, but gave me moments of like kind of heartwarming joy in that movie juxtaposed against the kind of it actually made me like reevaluate my position not on yellow brick road which is a movie i still contend is shit um <laughs> but yeah, it's not very good it's not a good movie but that director has went on to do what was the one he did two years ago that i loved um uh, the guy who's a near-death experience and then can see the ghosts oh uh we go on yeah we go on is a fucking great movie it is a great movie that and, that was on my top 10 that year yeah and then watching the window so there's a guy that's starting to experiment and i think really finding his voice it, it was a great little one to watch cold hell a movie that came out of fucking nowhere and had this weird gritty sort of euro jalo flavor to it um, juxtaposed with a, a little bit of fucking jiu-jitsu and badassery with a yeah. really strong female character. I mean, people are talking about Jamie Lee Curtis as being you know, like the the definitive you know poster child for Final Girls this year. I I, I, to I think the Jamie Lee Curtis performance in Halloween's fucking great, and I really enjoyed that movie. But Cold Hell, <laughs> you want to talk about badass chicks fronting a movie? There you go. <laughs> she fucking lays out dudes as if they're nothing. Um, I loved that movie. I thought that movie was fucking great. So we're getting all these movies from all sides coming at us uh, in a way which just makes me 
excited in the platforms that we have to visit them now, whether it's directly on Netflix, you have things like Apostle just coming out, like, like here we're going to take this guy that directed The Raid and The Raid 2 and we're just going to let him make his little horror movie, or we're going to give Mike Flanagan the opportunity to direct a 10-part horror TV show the way he wants to do it. Or, you know, we're going to go, we're going to do, we're going to do what we want to do and just bring these, these horror movies to the forefront and just put them out. If that's what you want, that's what you want. And Amazon financing the Suspiria remake, you know, they're like, we're going to give this, this artistic director the opportunity to direct this movie, which on paper seems like a bad idea to do. Like, like, like no, no studio is saying let's make remakes of Speria. It takes Amazon with their like bottomless pits of money to say, yeah, we'll we'll cough up the twenty-two million it takes to make this movie. Um and then you have Shudder like scouring relentlessly the the, the kind of the bills of festivals out there and bringing things straight like straight from the festival floor directly to a streaming service for people to check out. I just think there's so there's so much to be thankful for. Um that when it when we talk about 2018 next year, whilst I think we we might think at times there's not well we don't think that because we've already said Mandy is it's like Panos has created his own little universe where you are allowed to exist in with that movie and consume that movie almost separate from the rest of the horror genre. The way I think about it is it's like Bob Ross doing that happy little, you know, we're just going to do this happy little tree just down here. He's he's a happy little tree in this little little bush down here, this little fella. It's like one of these little, you know, like Panos has created this world where he can just put whatever he wants in it and it just works. And that's, that's what makes this such an exciting year is in the same year that you can have something as as questionably highbrow as something like Hereditary, you can have this like singular transcendent vision of a movie like Mandy, you can have these brutal cuts of realism uh, in cinema, you can have these wacky, strange, surreal, all-out, almost comedic moments in other movies. You can have a, a year where... J.J. Abrams will invest $33 million in a movie about Nazi zombies. I mean, that's that's 2018. That's where we are now. And, yeah, that's, like, there's so much stuff to talk about. So little time. But hopefully, hopefully that's giving you just a little taster um, and, and get your, your uh, appetite whetted ahead of the end of year list, which will be coming out the first show in January. Bo, final thoughts on 2018. I mean, it's it's another tremendous year in a series like we didn't talk about Cam, which oh, is yeah, a yeah. movie certainly worth discussing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, incident at Ghostland, it, it, like there was a conversation to be had about that movie. Oh yes. Um, you know, the Day of the Dead Bloodlines. <laughs> you know, good movies, Duncan. As well. <laughs> uh, have you seen Clove Hitch Killer yet? I did, and I loved it. Okay, right. So this is what I'm saying. Like, there are even these little indie, like, here's this really, uh, like, languorous kind of serial killer film that has this eerie kind of realism to yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and th- that scene of, like, him seducing his victim, uh, you know, when you, when you see exactly how, what his process is. 
um, is really unsettling and yeah. chilling. And it's, it's, it's so so creepy and so on the nose. I didn't even get a chance to, like, have you seen the house that Jack built yet? I have not, and I think that may be on the list today. Get it watched, because at the past I feel that it's maybe a little bit too self-grandizing, uh, which is totally expected if you're Lars von Trier. <laughs> sure, sure. Not known for his restraint, as Lars yeah. von Trier. Uh, if, you, if, you can, if you can get through some bits where there's a little bit of repetition, what you have is a deeply dark, deeply weird, and oddly funny serial killer movie like really like, at times brutally funny um there's an ongoing gag earlier on in the movie uh, using uh, ocd which gave me like to the point where i thought i was gonna maybe piss myself a little bit in the cinema with laughter um and then just takes a couple of turns where you could hear fucking pin drop um it's a, it's a great it's a it's a great movie. Um, it's one that I, I I know for a fact I can't wait to check out again. But I know it's readily available in the states while it's still not in the UK. So I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that one because I'm not saying that that one is a, a late addition to your top ten. But I think it's I think it's a contender for even the points that maybe mark it down a little bit. There's so much good about that movie, so much strongness in that movie, strength pushing through that I think uh, is worth discussion. All right, all right, I will get on. But, I mean, to to your point, though, Duncan, uh, final thoughts being it, it's been a remarkable year in, in horror, both on television and in film. It, it's a, a, another embarrassment of riches. <laughs> and uh, and I'm split, like, you know, you're right. Every year I, I'm holding out for that movie that is just the uh, undeniable work of art in a year yeah and i'm spoiled because every year i've been getting one lately mm-hmm. and the year i don't then i'm gonna become a super villain <laughs> i must destroy the world duncan oh my god how dare you not give me another mandy it's, it's gonna be weird because like at the moment as it stands just now i don't know like what's my big expectation for next year like, I know, obviously, the next, the, the, the final chapter of It is out. Sure. And it's going to be the biggest horror movie, maybe, of all time. Just, if you do the numbers, it's going to be huge, because that previous movie was huge. So, going at that one, that sequel is going to do insane fucking money. Um, and Pet Cemetery looks really good. I think that's, you know, the, the King properties are starting to come thick and fast. I, I think that, that has a lot of potential. Like the directors that are doing it, like the casting choice. Love that trailer. So, yeah. Uh, we're getting Zombieland 2. We're getting yep. Happy Death Day to you, yep. which I'm I'm curious about. I love Happy Death Day. Yeah, that um, second one looks like Back to the Future meets Groundhog Day, and that makes me very happy. <laughs> yep. Uh, three from Hell. Let's see if Rob Zombie can... Mm. Capture lightning in a bottle again. I mean, he's look, look. He's Joe <laughs> If anyone is, yeah. Uh, and then you've got um, the new uh, Jordan Peele joint, Us. Yes, that's early as well. That's early in the year, I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. March, I want to say. Yeah, and, and we've got. Um, we're less than a month away from Glass, 
which if depending on your interest in M. Night Shyamalan will conclude that trilogy I'm looking forward to it, I, I really like Unbreakable and I really like Split so um, Glass has the potential to do well for me depending on how weird they go with it I want them to go like I want him to embrace the weirdness like go full in because that's a movie that needs to go full in otherwise you lose my attention um, so you have that and that's before we even talk about what will be visual porn for the eyes this year uh, well next year which is Godzilla <laughs> If that, if that oh, movie delivers, if that delivers half of what I've seen in the trailer. I will, I, I will be, I will be recovering for a year. <laughs> that does look absolutely tremendous. Like, obviously, I am, you know, a bit in the bag mm-hmm. for a good Godzilla movie. I, I think uh, Kong Island was fun. I thought the uh, Godzilla that they did. Uh, the monsters guy did uh, whatever his name was. Oh, Gareth uh, Edwards. Yeah, uh, I thought that was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it got around to being a Godzilla movie, it was it was pretty rocking. And this just looks like more Kong Island, where it's just like, no, 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 let's just do full on, you know, destroy all monsters. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, eventually we're gonna get King Kong versus Godzilla, and that's real dumb, and and I approve. Yeah, I think as like we're gonna have this this massive amount. Like I say, what I'm looking for is early next year we'll get the 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 words out of things like can and stuff like that. And we'll get an idea of what what kind of weird, bizarre, more Duncan-centric horror I should keep my eyes open for. But uh, we're also, what, next year getting Sion Sono directing <laughs> Nicolas Cage. <laughs> yeah. So all bets yeah. are fucking off. <laughs> I mean, are you kidding? <laughs> all bets are off, man. Like, literally, that movie could be next year's Mandy. Like, it has the potential. Right, because, like... There is no guarantee that it's not going to be some three and a half hour. Who knows what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, and I, that I, sounds amazing. Like Sansono is always exciting, and it, it's such a perfect marriage of two maniacs. Yeah, Cage is already speaking very highly of his involvement. I don't even know if it started filming or if it's just the script he's read, but he's already speaking very highly of it. And I think when you get two kind of extreme visionaries in a position like that you just all bets are fucking off how weird would it be how like and it would be speaking to how weird the times are if 2018 tops with Mandy being your horror movie of the year and next year Nicolas Cage tops it again <laughs> I'm fine with that I'm I'm of the the group that argues that Nicolas Cage is He's the best actor of our generation because he takes such bold choices yeah. that he can frequently be the worst actor of our generation. It's um, it, the if anyone listens to the Shockwaves podcast, one of the guys over there, Elric Kane, has a theory where he basically says that Nicolas Cage, um, like you say, Nicolas Cage is a phenomenal actor. It's just some directors don't know how to direct him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they let him, like, he has all these ideas and will bring all these ideas to the table. And some people just don't know how to say, maybe don't go down that road, Nick. Or maybe other ones aren't there enough to motivate him to to, to, to experiment with ideas or too restrictive of his ideas. And that's the kind of the weird, the weird world we live in. All I'm going to say is anyone that thinks the guy 
is not a good actor. The emotion that he displays in Mandy, which I know some people thought, like Andy Blockley said that he loved it, but he thought it was just, it went on a bit too long and it was a bit goofy. The scene of him breaking down in his bathroom drinking the vodka to me is about as real as you will see emotion to grief and loss. In fact, it's right there to me with uh, Tony Collette's reaction to losing her child. Like in terms of oh, both, yeah. are, both are one hundred percent authentic in their own weird little ways. So right, come almost completely opposite reactions, but also similar. Yeah, and yeah, it it you're right. It, um, yeah, it it it's incredible that in the same year there are two expressions of grief from two arguably art house films. Yeah, that are memorable to say the least like there is something dangerous about Nicolas Cage's grief yes. which is the point of the movie you yes. know that he from that point on he he has become death destroyer of worlds mm-hmm. and oh it's so good don't shit. <laughs> I, I'm gonna go watch Mandy now you know <laughs> my job here is done as if I had to convince you to watch it again <laughs> right like I need there are movies I need to watch like I, I should probably finish watching Along Came the Devil and um, yeah. nah, it's, uh, mm, I know I got halfway through last night and I was like, you know what? This I'll finish this tomorrow, maybe. <laughs> um, I, I did not love it. So, uh, but yeah, I've got you know House of Jack built. I got a, I got a few movies on the list still that uh, I need to watch before end of year. So really interesting. Like I say, drop me a line. Not that the people need to know. Just drop me a line when you when you get around to the House of Jack built. Because like I say, I think there's an interesting conversation. Weirdly, it sits in a sim. It's like the more kind of uh, hyper artistic stylized version of Clove Hitch Killer. It's really really okay. really weird. It's like it's strangely weird in that they both represent two very accurate on the nose portrayals of serial killers it's like um, from two actors you would not associate with that that's what I love about this is what I love about 2018 all bets are fucking off we're gonna have Matt fucking Dylan uh, and what's his name Dylan McDermott a serial killer who would ever have done that Who'd ever have predicted that two of the strongest kind of serial killer performances would come from two guys that are not known for playing roles at all like that? Yeah, yeah, uh, I could, I could probably see Matt Dillon more so than oh, he's so Dylan McDermott. He's so good, it? so so good. It? You're gonna, you're gonna have a ball, and I look forward to checking uh, that conversation out whenever it happens with me and you. But yeah, I want to thank you, Bo. You saved my bacon here. I, I did commit to a extremely large number of episodes and uh, this month and the short period that I'm doing and I didn't want to skip one out uh, but I fucking love this conversation if anything yeah. it's just made me excited about doing my end of year list I can't wait I know it, it, it's been a great year it, it's so much fun to to be in the you know business probably not uh, <laughs> the, the the hobby I suppose uh, the, the interest of discussing these movies at a time when there there's just such a a, a a bounty of really interesting movies to talk about even the movies that aren't going to be the top of our list you know like i said stuff like cam is a movie that's incredibly interesting to dig into even if i'm not entirely sure it it totally works yeah but it, it it's a great like in another year cam could be a top five horror film 
Mm-hmm. And and so yeah, it's it, and this has been a, a, a really fun conversation. I, it, and it's made me want to go watch Mandy again, and that's always good. <laughs> uh, now, like I said at the start here, we do some stuff uh, over. Yeah, the um, it's about to kick off in earnest um, on the, the the week after the seventeenth of January when True Detective season three comes back. And uh, myself, yourself, will be saddling up once again, sir. Um, to, to do another TV show um, and all the rest but whilst people are waiting for that happening let them know where they can check you out online and what you've got coming up uh, legionpodcasts.com is where you can uh, you can find me and all the stuff I do as well as a number of other very talented podcasters um, uh, mostly about horror movies but you know there's a little a little this and that around the, uh, the podcast network um but yeah, so uh, Devour the Podcast is where you can uh, find me uh, most centrally. And we are doing, with Devour the Podcast now, we're doing a bunch of different stuff. Like we have our main show every month, but we're also doing stuff like uh, like a review roundup. And then there's uh, a thing that I just started doing that I really like, which is just kind of going through a movie that is uh, 20 years old. Ah, and I, I call it it was 20 fears ago today and uh, the first one I did was uh, Phantoms because Phantoms like a motherfucker <laughs> and it's kind of me going through the movie with clips from the movie of just like this is this is both the storyline of the film and also isn't this weird and and, and goofy nice. uh, so it's fun yeah yeah uh, I, I like doing that one, but a lot of a lot of stuff over on Devour the Podcast. Phenomenal! Go and check it out. Go and check it out. Right, um, I'm going to take my final break of this show. When I come back, I'm closing it out, and I'm doing it right after this. You're listening to the podcast under the stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been bonus episode 128. This has been a unexpected little look back over 2018. Uh, the highs, the lows, the head scratchers. It's all been in here. Thanks very much to Bo Ransdell for giving up a bit of time. And a reminder that we will be tackling, don't worry, those that were expecting some Wanniverse action. We will be tackling the James Wanniverse um, in the new year so get yourself ready for that shit it is a coming it is a coming right like I said at the start of the episode three episodes left this year tomorrow I'll be joined by Scott and Liam from Scott and Liam vs Evil like easily one of the best horror podcasts out there guys please give some time and some love and go across and check them out they genuinely are two of the nicest blokes on the internet um, so they'll be joining me we chat some nonsense on that episode Sunday we will be looking at All the Creatures Are Stirring uh, which is available on Shudder at the moment in the UK and I believe in the States as well so I'll be doing a review of that on a bonus episode and then on Monday on Christmas Eve itself we'll be doing a little Christmas Eve listener choice December commentary you guys picked Orca myself and Boran still will be doing that on that day so yeah and then we take two weeks off there's an opportunity ways to check out podcasts under the stairs. As always, I say come across and check us out on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to the feed, that way you get the shows as and when they drop and access to the entire back catalogue of T-Putt's content. But don't stop there. Do not stop there. Leave us a rating and a review. 
Ratings, super important. The more of them we get, five stars for example, the higher up the ch iTunes charts were pushed for people to come across and check out our show. Leave us a review as well, it's free, it's easy for you to do. Let the people know why you like the show and you never know, it might attract more listeners. More listeners means more stuff. So that can only mean a good thing for everyone. You can check out the show on Stitcher Smart Radio, SoundCloud, Google Play and the TuneIn app. We're available on all those platforms. Working on Spotify at the moment. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. Come and visit our website. It's tputzcast.com You can click the merch tab there or go direct to our merch page which is tputzcast.bigcartel.com You can buy enamel pins and posters over there. That money comes back, supports the show and you get some cool swag out of it. There is a new merch item coming very early next year. If you're on the Facebook group page, the Baz will be posting it and trust me when I say it's fucking incredible. You're gonna, gonna love it. So, that's all I'm gonna say about that. You can visit us on Facebook. We have two pages. We have a group page, which is a community forum where people get to post shit. Uh, movies are watching, polls, memes, you name it. Discussions about the shows. It's all available on facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cast. If you don't want that fufara, if all you want is a show um, and maybe some live streaming, then you can join our Facebook page. That's facebook.com forward slash cast, And you can interact with me on the twin prongs of social media sexiness, Instagram and Twitter. Both can be followed at cast. So there we go. A surprise little episode for your Friday peeps. And with that in mind, I'm going to bust out just now. So, wherever you are, whatever the time zone is, whatever you're up to in this big, bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs, and I am signing off.
Por la 